Hello, and welcome to the first in what will be a series of Marathon Swim Story Deep Dives into the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach Shannon Keegan. On August 22nd, 2019, Stephen Rao set off from the Eastside Restaurant in Newport, Vermont, and swam not just the 25 miles across the Canadian border to the northernmost tip of Lake Memphremagog, but after exiting the water on the beach in Magog, Quebec, he quickly got back in to start the return journey. Arriving back at his departure spot more than 25 hours from whence he left, becoming the first male to complete the task in the fastest recorded time. Enjoy this retelling of Stephen's epic swim from the perspective of himself and his crew, Christopher Grafe, Jamie Ann Rennick, Mary Stella, Jimmy Wu, and Stephen Rao's father, Stephen Rao Sr. Enjoy. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. This is our first and, and hopefully a long series of Marathon Swim Stories Deep Dives, where um, in this case, we're going to retell um, Stephen. I'm going to get your last name wrong. How do I pronounce it? Um, Rao rhymes with cow. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Stephen Rao's 50-mile uh, double uh, Lakeman from Magog Crossing, and we've got his whole crew today. And to kind of kick things off, I want everyone to introduce yourself as well as your role on the team. We'll start with you, Stephen. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'm Stephen. I, I did the 50-mile swim. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've been, I, I started swimming when I was seven and uh, and uh, been swimming ever since, other than about a 11, 12-year hiatus after college. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to have you back to get your, get your story. Today, we just talk about this swim. Who um, who should go next? Mary, you're next in my grid. You want to okay. go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Mary. I did the observing and filled out the official log. And pretty much crewing-wise, I was mostly Stephen's handler. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> Every swimmer needs a handler. That's great. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jamie Ann, what about you? Hi, um, I'm Jamie Ann, and I would say I was like miscellaneous, <laughs> but um, I helped with pictures, stroke counting, which was a lot, um, helping Mary and Chris, because the three of us were on the boat together, um, and then also help prepare feeds and throw the bottles and all that good stuff, and stay in the cone of vision was very important. The cone of vision. I can't wait to hear more about that. Okay, we'll keep going through introductions, Christopher. Hi, Chris. Um, I was sort of the crew chief on the on the operation, um, as well as you know, kind of a pilot of one of the two pontoon boats we had out there. Uh, so we were doing a lot of organization beforehand and working with Phil, obviously, on the organization of um, timing and uh, just scheduling and all that. So um, kind of helping manage a lot of moving parts. But I think as we all came together and having had the experience 
of, of actually having done marathon swims before and even crude marathon swims before everybody just works so well together. It's hard to, I don't even like to think of myself as the chief. I think everybody took leadership roles at different points because they had to, um, <laughs> which was super fun and, uh, and really uh, just great testament to, to this group. That's awesome. I can't wait to get into this. It's so exciting. I'm like on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Jimmy, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, I'm, I'm Jimmy Wu and um, I was uh, a kayaker for uh, Steve Swim. Okay, we'll get more into what that really means as we talk about swimming for 25 hours. Okay, Steve, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, um, my name's Steve. I'm a, a Steve's dad, and um, I was one of the kayakers, and, and really he told us the kayakers were to do nothing but to kayak, so <laughs> I wasn't allowed to touch a camera or do anything, so, oh, oh my so goodness. We, we kayaked and fed him, and that was it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So before we get into kind of how things played out, I want to understand, Stephen, why the heck did you want to sign up for this 50-mile swim? Uh, I mean, you got to keep challenging yourself in this sport. Um, and I think a lot of us do it because we um, want to see what we can do. Uh, and, and honestly, I had, done a, I had done the Kingdom Week the week before, or I mean the year before. Um, I did the double uh, at Massawippi, which was an 18-mile swim. And um, I finished it and I felt pretty fresh. And, and honestly, it was like, well, you know, I want to make sure that, that, that the next challenge I do is one that actually challenges me and not just uh, a little more, a little more exhaustion after the end of a 25 mile swim versus 18 miles, you know? Yeah. Oh. And how did you um, pick your lovely crew here? Um, well, you know, obviously all these people are close to me. Um, uh, you know, my, my father, of course, he's, he's, he was, a he's been with me since the very beginning of my open water, uh, career. Um, you know, uh, Mary and I are, have been dating for a couple of years, so, uh, she was a no brainer and, and she's, you know, probably the, has the most experience with, uh, long distance open water, water swimming of the group. She certainly had the longest swim before, uh, um, before my 25 hour swim of, of this group. Um, uh, Jamie Ann and I, we, we've crewed for each other. Um, I had the, had the opportunity to crew for her for both Scar and, um, and her Catalina swim. I believe they were both in 2019. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> one was, was Catalina was and Scar was 18. Is that yeah, right? yeah, that's no. right. Um, you know, Christopher, uh, you know, we've been, we were competitors when we first met, uh, but, um, you know, we've, we've come to be friends and, um, you know, he's, a, you know, he's just an excellent person. I mean, he, he was, he led this thing and he kept everybody in line with the whip and whatnot. Um, and then, and then Jimmy is, um, he's married to my cousin and they both live in, um, in New Hampshire about 90 minutes from, uh, um, from Phil and, and, uh, like met from Agog and, um, he's been, uh, he and his family have been supporters of me um, in all the swims that I've done up in the kingdom. So, you know, um, he's definitely somebody I wanted to help join me. Um, and, you know, just because there's the, the five people here, um, you know, to be clear, they were not the only crew. Um, you know, Charles, Charles, the cat, he <laughs> helps. Um, but, you know, other people that helped was, of course, Phil. Um, Rob was um, another boat pilot that was uh, with my father, Jimmy, on the on the kayak. Um, uh, 
you know, my, my mom, Jimmy's, uh, Jimmy's spouse, Margie, my cousin was there, um, probably wrangling my mother, keeping her calm for 25 hours. Everybody needs shore support. That's true. Uh, <laughs> as was, as was Jimmy's son, Wolfgang, he was, he was, he's in some of the pictures at the start and finish. Um, the Rivards were, were there to see me at the start in the middle and at the end. Um, you know, uh, Peter um, and uh, I think Pam were there too to help me. Like Pam gave me the uh, check my blood pressure when I was done. And uh, Peter met me in the middle of the night in Canada. <laughs> um, great. You know, and, and you know, you know, I, a list could go on with, you know, people, my training partners that I swim with. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, lots of people that have, have, were here to support me, not just these five, but anyway. Right. Yeah. But they're here for the retelling, and and we, you can tell me more about the other people as they kind of as they, they, as they, they as suffered. They, they suffered for twenty five hours with me, probably more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was it? Um, what was it like? What was it like getting getting going? Tell me how the how the kind of the start start. Play. Well, actually, you know, there's a lot more preparation and things that go into it. Like I said, this is an experiment, so we're just gonna have to just kind of lay it all out on the table. How do you how do you prepare for a 50 mile swim? I mean, we'll skip the swimming parks. There's a whole training component, but how do you like wrangle a crew, you know, get a boat? Like, how do you make all that come together? <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I admit I'm, I'm very lazy. And uh, <laughs> part of this process, at least for me, was um, Phil White does the, does the all the various swims in Vermont um, and has for many years and kind of has a, at least a, a skeleton of a framework in place for, <laughs> for managing all this stuff. So, you know, honestly, I paid money to, to do it. There's something to be said for that. And, and, and uh, it's good to distinguish. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. You so know, you can give him money and he's like, okay. <laughs> and, and that's, that smoothed a lot of things. There was a little bit of a, you know, it's always a little bit of friction. Phil was, um, I was, was battling some, uh, some illness at the time of my swim, uh, very suddenly, in fact. Um, uh, you know, we, Mary and I and my father had all arrived in Vermont about um, two weeks before we did the, we did all of Kingdom Week that week. And it, for me, it was kind of a acclimation and just kind of final training and just getting comfortable. Um, you know, Christopher popped in for a swim or two there. Uh, Jimmy did too. My dad paddled most of it for me that week. So it was, you know, for all of us, it was kind of warm up getting, you know, we'd been to Vermont a lot before, so we knew the area. But um, anyway, uh, we had a three-day window and we, the first day didn't happen because uh, just, you know, it was going to be a little too windy, um, mm -hmm. which can always be a little too windy on that lake. Um, but the morning we had decided to go, we got an email from Phil at like five in the morning that it's like, I can't be there today. So we've got three oh. options. Option one is you guys go without me. Option two, we, uh, we wait a day or more. Or option three was um, we schedule it in September. And, you know, we'd already taken, a lot of us had taken two weeks off to do this. And it was like, no. We're just going to go. We and, love you, Phil, but <laughs> we're going. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a bummer that Phil wasn't able to be there for it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he has seen me swim before. So he, well, I, I'm signed up for already more of his stuff. So he'll get to see me swim again. So. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you're there for a couple of weeks, hanging out. You get the email. It says, says not 
you gotta go without me then then what happens <laughs> um you know we, we kind of you know we like i said we'd had two weeks to kind of prepare we we'd largely mapped out most of the things we needed to do so my job was to just kind of stay horizontal um christopher went and gassed up the boat uh you know, eventually, you know, everybody kind of departed to go kind of start prepping the boat. Finally, Mary and I came over and, uh, you know, just kind of do the, the critical things, the covering, covering every inch of my exposed skin with, uh, you know, diaper cream, Right. Uh, you know, and then, and then kind of hurry up and wait, you know, we, we had the, we had the luxury of it was, we were ready to go at about 10:50 in the morning, and we just said, "Well, let's just wait 10 minutes and start 11 We'll make it easier to kind of record everything else from there on." Mm-hmm. That's a recommendation for everybody: start top of the hour if you can. Top of the hour, just for just for timing. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. One yeah. thing I wanted to add too is when Stephen says "boat," we're actually talking about two boats. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, making sure that we had um, two pontoons. Um, so there were actually three of us on one and three of us on another. Um, and, uh, we sort of had a, a kayak shifting pontoon and more of a sort of observation and feeding pontoon, but we communicated a lot. And, uh, over the course of that 25 hours, we're doing a lot of kind of handoffs of certain responsibility. Um, and also just, just making sure we were, we were both, um, functioning. <laughs> and I think it's, I, I think it's really important to mention as, as something, that's I think absolutely vital when you go into something this long. I mean, and even quite a, quite a bit shorter, two boats is a necessity. It wasn't an option. Um, and there were multiple times where it became very, very critical that that second boat was there, whether it was us having an issue or them having an issue. Um, and uh, you know, the other person in the other boat could immediately come in. Um, additionally, the two kayak, having two kayaks was great. Um, you know, in, a, in a, another world, we could have probably even had more um, and given those guys a bit more of a break because what they did was absolutely Herculean as well, just being just the two sole kayakers on this entire journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, I, you know, the, all of that sort of gassing up and, and fueling and, and getting all the things on the boats um, was, was a plural. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and we're so grateful that, um, you know, we were actually able to wrangle two, two pontoons for this. Were you, so that um, prior to, were you planning to be piloting all along, Christopher? Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Um, at least one of them. I have okay. a lot of piloting, uh, or at least boat experience mm-hmm. um, between sailing and, uh, and power boating. So um, that's, that's sort of just having grown up on the coast in Rhode Island, just got, yeah. got a lot of that. Um, but it was also nice that we had Rob, who's, who's not here today, because he has also done a lot of piloting on them for Magog and mm-hmm. had a real sense of you know some of the things to look out for and where to go and so he actually ended up leading for a significant amount of of it we were sort of in a follow position and they were head um because he had he was sort of leading not just with experience but um you know just an eye on 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 what was coming right yeah phil always makes it like i feel like he kind of minimizes like well yeah you just you go that way (laughs) but you're like you kind of want to know just a little (laughs) bit like (laughs) but do I go there too far? You know, it's, so it's Rob's experience. I'm sure was, was critical in having him. Very, very yeah. 
So what happens then? We get underway. Well, there's all this prep work. What about like feed preparation and stuff like that? Did is that like is that, that what Mary and Jamie and were doing? You're like over here mixing feeds. <laughs> Tell us about it, you ladies. <laughs> They're both like, no. <laughs> Come on. I'll let Mary go first. So anyone that's been to uh, Newport, Vermont, it is cold there all year long. <laughs> Even in the summer, somehow in the middle of the night, it's like 40 degrees. <laughs> and um, so, you know, in terms of feeding, it wasn't just a matter of throwing stuff on the kayak and letting him have whatever he wants. Cause you know, sometimes he wants a hot feed or, or something like that. But, you know, I mean, we were trying not to mix stuff too far in advance cause then it would get cold. Um, and especially doing a, a swim of that duration, you're not, most people are not going to just take a normal standard feed for 25 hours. They're going to want treats, whether or solid food or gels or, or something salty instead of something sweet. So um, that's why you kind of need a crew instead of just a kayaker. Because when he mentioned his, his kayakers were just a kayak, that's what he meant. Normally kayakers are really in charge of feeds. But, uh, you know, when you have a crew, use them. <laughs> Just yeah. Like the kayakers kayak. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's a fine balance there. The, you know, how much do you feed, mix in advance or like mix strong and then like add hot water. So you guys are heating water and stuff on the boat all night long. Uh, Jamie Ann and Christopher were, yeah. um, we had brought some hot water and we had brought some warm water, but again, it was really cold on the boat in the middle mm -hmm. of the night. Um, if you see some of the pictures, I mean, we are bundled up like it's winter. <laughs> this was August, right? August 22nd. Is that right? Um, started. And they had provided us one of the things that, that was great about Rob and Phil is that they actually had um, provided us with some uh, propane heater thing. Nice. That neither of us had ever used. <laughs> So that was fun, <laughs> trying to figure out how not to explode ourselves. Right. Uh, we figured it out. But it was absolutely critical because we, we really ran out of hot water and hot thing. That's what I was going to say is that none of the containers that we have were really sufficient to keep the water hot enough for 25 hours in, in the colder night, dark conditions. Um, that's, right. something to, that's something for people to think about when they're swimming overnight or swimming for a very long time. Right. Yeah, I've experienced that too. I think when I did Men for Magog, I was like towards the end and I only did a single, but the but I had this hydro flask and I thought for sure 36 ounce hydro 36 ounce hydro flask is gonna keep it, you know, warm for whatever it's only 12, 14 hours. But but you're opening it and closing it and opening it and closing it. So every time there's cold, you know, getting in. So like there just isn't anything that can keep stuff warm for that long. Well so, that yeah, is you know, you're also on a moving boat, so things are getting spilled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what were conditions like? How was that? So you leave it 11 on the dot as a recommendation, at least get on something on the hour. And then uh, what was, what was it like? Yeah. So to, to follow up before I start on that, to follow up on Mary's thing, we, I did a, I did a long swim last summer too. And I had just, I had like a one gallon thing of water that was boiling and it was lukewarm by the end of the night. Like it, it yeah, like propane heater is something I'm going to have to invest in for the next time I do something <laughs> stupid like this. Um, anyway, uh, no, so we started at 11. It was a beautiful sunny day. It was, I don't know, 60, 70 degrees. Um, air, water was similar temperature. Um, it's always a little breezy there. And, and uh, so, yeah, um, 
my dad was the first kayaker and we we started off and uh we just kind of left from Prouty Beach and I think or or by the east side and we, we yeah. just started heading out and things were fine for a couple hours I, I felt like I was flying and then uh and suddenly uh about two two and a half hours in dad's going the other way um <laughs> the wind had picked up uh, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of kayak are you in Steve I have a, a pretty substantial like fishing kayak I, I forget exactly what it's called but uh, so it's very stable. That's important for me. I've been, uh, I went to SCAR a few times and, and I've experienced really lousy weather and I uh, knew that was important. That's, that's something I would say you've got to plan for the worst weather because you're more than likely going to get some. And uh, you can't hope that you have good weather because we hit, we hit that wind, I think about 90 minutes into it. And I was, I was kayaking as hard as I could and I was slowing him down. I mean, I, I just couldn't go into the wind. And uh, we eventually just pulled me back to the uh, to the pontoon, and Steve sighted off of the pontoon for about about an hour, I think. And uh, and then eventually it calmed down a little bit, and then Jimmy was able to get in the water, and then we were able to maintain a three-hour on and off shift from that point on. But that that uh, when that hit, that was that reminded me of some bad bad memories on Lake Apache. So uh, yeah. it was. It, it was kind of tricky there for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So was that a big shift for you, Steven? So all of a sudden your kayakers going backwards and then you're like, what's going on? Of course. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I tried not to worry about it and let the, let the crew do their job. And they, they really did a great job. Um, you know, honestly, um, once it was decided like, okay, we're putting them on the boat it, you know, we had two boats. So, Christopher, Mary, and Jamie Ann, they all just stayed by my side. And, and then uh, Rob and Jimmy helped out onto, onto his boat. And then we just swam for an hour. I mean, it was fine. I mean, um, you know, I, I've, I've swam in all sorts of conditions. I do a lot of training without any, um, you know, kayakers of any sort. So, you know, I'm used to swimming open water kind of by yourself. So it, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, you know, it's... it's you didn't have that uh, moment of like, wait, but... <laughs> uh, honestly it was better got him on the boat because it was like, like my dad said it was you know it was like okay i'm waiting a minute while he catches back up and then i swim swim for a minute and then it's repeat that, that's not not a way to go and uh you know it's you know i, I knew they'd be back in sometimes sometimes the wind blows yeah yeah, yeah really good time to talk about that cone of vision oh yeah all right <laughs> Tell me about I the cone of vision. Say that. All right, let's hear from Jamie. Jamie knows all about it. Well, I think it's Stephen's term. Oh, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's Stephen's thing, and he told us all about it before we even got on the water. Not just and told us about it. Like this is the number one. Like the cone was, of vision is everything, and I think it's just no. And I think it's also important to know, like when you talk to your crew and you know, is, is what's like, what are some of the most vital things? Cause it might not be that some people actually love to swim like out ahead of the boats or they like to be somewhere else. Like, I don't even want to see you. You're going to mess me up or whatever. So it's, everybody has this preference. Um, but this was very important. And, you know, when to basically be in Stephen's cone of vision as he breathed and as he was seeing us. So when a kayak is suddenly not available, now the pontoon boats taking that role. So it was just, um, 
it was, we were sort of having fun with it because you were so emphatic about it, Stephen, about like, you must be there or I will get very upset. <laughs> it's so important though to know, I mean, what you guys are talking about though is knowing your preferences and we, what we kind of glossed over is I bet there was some kind of crew meeting. So tell us, maybe we'll backtrack just a minute. So tell us Stephen, what it was like, you get your crew, everyone's there and you don't just like, you know, start swimming. Obviously you've got to talk about preferences and things like that. What was that like? I mean, you know, Mary, Mary might disagree with me, but I don't think I'm very picky. Christopher <laughs> might disagree with me. Jamie Ann might disagree with me. Jimmy might, might also disagree with me. Um, I don't personally think I'm very picky, but I, I've been told that sometimes I'm more picky than I think I am. Um, but, you know, from a crew meeting, yeah, were mistakes made, yes. Like, one piece of advice I'd give anybody for any crew, especially something that's crazy long, is tell them to dress like it's winter. Uh, you know, even when it's 70 degrees out, um, I was probably the warmest person for most of the swim and I was cold <laughs> for 10 hours. Um, but th they get cold. It gets 40 degrees. It gets dark. It gets windy. Um, you know, as, for, as for the rest of it, you know, I, I kind of intended to switch over to warm feeds at one point. And I, I switched over pretty early because at, at this point, um, I, I just become more cautious and just like, might as well not, not get any colder than I already am. Um, the gun. But, yeah. but, but, you know, from a crewing perspective, it's like, okay, here's what I want to eat. Bananas, cookies, some pretzels. Of course we had probably twice as much food as, as any one person could eat. Um, and then a lot of carbo pro with, with various flavors. Um, cream cheese brownies are a favorite of mine. Um, but that's like a, that's, that was my snack at the middle and we'll talk about that later. But, um, that, that turned into a little bit of a, a debacle, which was pretty funny. This is um, the, the not picky guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a comedy of errors. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, you know, the swimmer's job is to swim and, and the crew's job is to take care of me. And, and, and it's a challenge because I'm, I'm not necessarily a person that just wants everybody to dote over me. So it's, it's kind of a weird situation, like in the, you know, in the morning where I'm like, my job is to not do anything. My job is, right. to, is to rest, um, you know, and, and we were lucky we could start in the morning instead of, you know, some people start their swims at nine at night. Like I didn't want to be awake for 36 hours. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just being awake for 24 was a little bit scary. Um, you know, uh, but, uh, the cone of vision to go back to that, you know, it's, it's just, I, I, on a lot of swims, um, you know, with my dad, he's, he's battled a lot of different conditions with me in the kayak. And sometimes he's, he's way ahead of me or way behind me. And, you know, when you're swimming for three hours, four hours, eight hours, 10 hours, okay. You can put up with that. Um, but when you're going to, when you know, you're going to be looking at 24 hours of swimming, you want, uh, I don't want to keep looking up. It hurts your back. It hurts your neck. Um, you know, it's just, it's just wasting energy. So the goal was to like, and, and, and it, it goes against my instinct. I like to sight. I like to see what's ahead of me. So I, I had to really control myself to, to just look at where the kayak was and just trust that they were taking me where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and so I, I did that for the most part. Um, there was a point in the middle of the night where we had turned around. I don't know. We were probably 16, 17 hours in. And I just look up and I yelled to, to Mary and Chris and Jamie Ann. And I say, why are we on this side of the lake? 
this is so this is after the turn and you're on yeah, your way it's, back it's, okay it's dark and i'm like why are we here <laughs> okay they had a good reason i'll let them <laughs> yeah so we were we were going up the the east side on the way up and primarily a, a decision from a wind standpoint i mean one of the things that happens is obviously the way the winds come and sometimes it's a headwind sometimes you get a nice block from the shore so you're always sort of looking to avoid you know the the wind the wind challenges there and it just seemed after we sort of turned around there was also some pretty weirdly heavy boat traffic at that hour of the night in magog mm, which was interesting. very interesting like there were some other boats you know it's pitch black we really didn't have a lot of good light you know ambient light from the sky um there was some sort of dinner cruise thing happening <laughs> so, so like very large dinner cruise ship coming around we're like uh this isn't good <laughs> so you know fortunately again rob was helpful and you know we were all just making sure that we knew he knew their sort of schedule and where they might be and um, everything was safe. But then when we kind of came out of that, the wind and other things were starting to pick up again a little bit. It just seemed like it made more sense to be on the other side, but we never really kind of communicated that, but we did start, it's a finger lake. So it's, you know, you're talking about many hundreds of yards. So it was like, well, which, whichever side really <laughs> makes any difference. Right. Did we add more time and distance to Steven's swim? Probably by doing that. Um, but my hope is that we also do dodge some additional wind that was starting to happen um, that uh, that would ultimately have made it more challenging to do that return. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's a totally different, it's actually like four or five different swims depending on mm -hmm. how those conditions go. And you're just trying to screw manage that um, based on whatever's kind of hitting you in the moment. Right. Uh, trying to make it as easy for them as possible. But yeah, we, we definitely were, if you look at the sort of trajectory, we, we came down on the west side. <laughs> Um, and then basically as we hit the border kind of slowly created a diagonal to get back to that sweet spot of you know really targeting Newport again uh -huh. well yeah and it gets narrow right there and I guess that maybe the other thing to point out too is this lake had only been doubled once before or no there was one other or two other attempts there was a couple other attempts maybe that weren't finished but and rotten I was Rob piloting those other ones, so, you know, like, so you guys are basically, you're, you're making it up as you go, I guess is my point. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't know much history of the, uh, the, the attempts that did not finish, but um, uh, I, I actually had the opportunity to, to spend a weekend with uh, Sarah Thomas that summer and we trained together and she is the only other person that has done the double and completed it. Mm -hmm. um, and she did it back in the, in the, in the stone age of marathon <laughs> swimming, um, you know, you know, these guys may have been cold on the boat, but they were in a five-star hotel compared to what, uh, Sarah's crew had to deal with. It was, um, I know it was her husband and someone else. I'm forgetting Blake Bill and Bill ship. Bill, they were in a, in a little tiny aluminum. Yeah. Boat yeah. For 30 hours. <laughs> um, and, you know, s the weather that they had, they didn't have a window. They just went when Phil told them to go. Um, and, 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 and Sarah can swim about my speed. So she could have easily done this swim in 25 hours if she'd had good weather. So um, that just tells you how awful her conditions were that day. Um, that, you know, she was out there for those five extra hours. Um, just a, and, and I think she did that in like 2013 or something. So it was, it was a ways back when she did that. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it was, it was just the two of them and, and they may have had a kayak. I don't, I don't 
remember that detail, but it was, I can't remember either, yeah. it was a lonely, lonely, cold experience for those two on the boat. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's an interesting thing, thing though, from a swimmer perspective though, to kind of, to trust your crew to make, make it up as they go, you know, like that. So how do you, I don't know, how, obviously you had a moment where you're like, Hey, why are we over here? How, how did that go? <laughs> I mean, it was fine. Mary pretty much told me to shut up and swim. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, that's right. My job's just to swim. Okay. Yeah, shut up and swim. And, uh, you know, like, I think, I think it impressed her more than anything that I was, I was aware that, that I was in a different spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was pretty incredulous. The look on my face, if there was video, was like pretty incredulous. It's like pitch dark. We had just dodged this cruise ship or dinner whatever booze cruise and he's like swimming up to the boat like why are we over here i'm like i can't even see my hand in front of my (laughs) how does he know where we are on this lake enough to question it 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 was it was hilarious to me but impressive nonetheless (laughs) i mean i could be swimming in perfect sunlight i don't know where the hell i am (laughs) yeah yeah it's an interesting uh, skill set but um what about lighting for the boat is that something you guys had when you started or did you like put that on at any some point in the middle or how'd that go so the swimmer could see the boat did you have any lights (laughs) or the kayaks or anything and i think you know that was a learning you know one of the things i'm just going to repeat one of the best parts about this entire crew was that everybody had experienced crewing before and so we all sort of bringing our like oh let's not screw this up (laughs) you know and one thing i've done as a mistake in the past is you know kind of not put lights on the boats before especially when you start in the day you don't you're sort of not thinking about it and so there was definitely like we were ready to light things up when as as it got dark and there wasn't this notion of having to like assemble a whole lot of lighting um i think at that time so i feel like we were we were quite well lit we were also of course close to each other we've been on men for magog swims i've crewed other ones too where it's it gets very spread out you know the first person's two hours ahead and phil's way up there and it's like you're trying to follow spotlights and things like that so um we were we, we did have a lot of led and flashlights and um and of course glow sticks and other things i think on the kayaks so and gps and gps yes uh, <laughs> i was using i was using navionics um gps uh on my phone which was fantastic also again the luxury of these pontoon boats we had power uh usb yeah. we could play music it was <laughs> you guys were just having a party (laughs) it was really actually as the night fell i actually took the lead because i had navionics and so now like rob certainly we were in touch but he's like look you know if you've got gps it might make more sense for you to be out front um Mm -hmm. so i could actually see where we were where we were going because as mary said it was very very dark and and really as you especially as you head away from magog at least when you have magog in front of you that's a light source when you turn around there's nothing yeah. Um, it's it's so dark and and there's really no even landmarks i mean at one point i think we were like 25 yards from the shore and i, I was like oh my gosh we're really we're really close wow. <laughs> <to the edge. laughs> we just really kind of didn't notice that uh until you know it was I want to, I want to say that on, our, on our way back we turned around i that's when i got back in the water and the wind hit again just like it had at the beginning and so I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but I was just about at the end of it again. Uh, and then, uh, and then it calmed down, but that's probably why they were seeking cover because the, the winds had picked up again right around probably 11 o'clock, something like that in the evening. Mm-hmm. 
right after you. What was it? What time did you land before turning, Stephen? It was like ten. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. I think it was just under twelve hours. It was when mm-hmm. I hit the shore. Um, yeah, which that there was a funny story there. So I um, I had a. a one of my, one of my treats that I kind of like on a, on a, on a swim like this, but not every feed is I, I like pear juice and I like the cream cheese brownie that I mentioned earlier. So I had said to the crew, and this is, this again, comes to like my fault. I, I didn't, I didn't instruct the crew properly. I said, I would like this at the turnaround. So they gave it, they gave a cream cheese brownie and a thing of pear juice to my father to, to, to go give me. And it's, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night. It's 40 degrees out. The water's, I don't know, 70, 69 degrees. It's not not cold, but it's not hot water. Anyway, I land on the shore. Peter's there with the flashlight. He waves me in. It, it, you know, there's like a lighthouse or something. You, you kind of come in really fast. I had to like climb over a, a buoy line. Um, you know, I get on shore. I stand up. I say hi to Peter. I'm about ready. I'm about ready to turn it, turn around, and go back in the water. Um, so my dad comes roaring up, lands on the beach. Jimmy comes roaring up, lands on the beach. And they're now both illegally in Canada <laughs> on the shore. Dad's handing me the brownie and the, and the, uh, the pear juice. I'm like trying to hand him a rock. I'm just, I just want to get back in the water. It's cold. I, I should have said, I would like pear juice and a brownie at my next feed. I did not need celebration on shore. So I spent an extra 90 seconds on shore, which was fine. You know, you're allowed 10 minutes. I was only there about three, um, but I could have been in in 90 seconds. Um, anyway, so it's just funny that like they came ashore. They didn't need to come ashore. It was fine. But, you know, it's just it, it was dark. It was 12 hours in. We were all a little confused and tired and, and uh, you know, we still have to go back. I mean, yeah. but, uh, you know, that was, that was one thing about this swim was, um, you know, mentally, I never treated Magog as anything more than a, you know, never going to be any more than stop for a minute and, and get back in and go. There's, there's no time to think, no time to think I could, I can just stop here. Right. You can't, can't have that in your head. I mean, you yeah. can, but it's, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a recipe for, for disaster kind of, I think by setting yourself up, be like, oh, if you, if you give it yourself the option, right? So if you don't give yourself the option, you know, you're heading back, it's time to go. I think it's important too, to pick, pick up on that fact that this is an international swim. Um, and no matter how you do it, that complicates things. It complicates your access to help. It complicates where you feel like you can land um legally <laughs> um, you know it's it almost seems unimaginable now because our our border's been closed for so long and it's just you know this this idea of sort of being cavalier <laughs> crossing it it's just it's a different time but i, I you know i think as people look at at the, the member magog swims singles or doubles it definitely is a it's it, it adds to a level of complexity when you're crossing an international border um just in terms of some of those some of those accesses and even though you know yeah we're in a finger lake it still feels like we can't touch the shore <laughs> uh because that's you know that's the no-no uh, right we all had our passports with us and you know, we were okay but it was still you know that's another thing phil make sure it's all handled but um you still need to be uh be aware that you're in you're in a different country yeah yeah for sure. <laughs> right 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 all of a sudden it just happened i haven't heard from jimmy at all did you did you guys share a kayak steve and jimmy or were you just using one um we were we had two kayaks and uh 
the kayak that I was using is a, uh, an older kayak that is kind of heavy and it's pretty stable, but um, was wider. Um, I quite frankly have a hard time getting it on and off my, my car because it's so heavy. Um, but I guess my uh, overall impression was that there was sort of large chunks of the kayaking that are just jumbles of hazy memories. <laughs> it was, it was difficult the three hours on and three hours off. I think in an ideal world, uh, we, we really needed three kayakers um, to give us a break, um, but we made it through. Uh, and the impressions I had was just of it being really surreal, especially at night. Um, with me kayaking and Steve next to me outfitted with a bunch of glow sticks and just going, just kayaking at the night in the night like that was really weird. Um, and, um, one of my most vivid memories was just of Steve turning to me and saying the next feed, he would like to have chicken broth. <laughs> uh, and so I communicated that to um, to the boats and, and they got chicken broth for him. Um, but I, I remember being really tired uh, and the coldness was was a huge factor as well because um, as the kayakers were, were getting wet uh, in, in the middle of the night when it's like 40 degrees, you, you can't get dry either. So right. <laughs> we were just damp um, for, uh, you know, hours at a time in that cold weather. So definitely dress as if it were winter, but have waterproof, um, clothing. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, towards dawn was very surreal as well with watching the sunrise, uh, and being on the lake. Uh, and then at some point, uh, I can't remember when in the morning, but it was, it was early-ish the, we saw some kayaks in in the distance and and it was the rivards coming out to to meet us nice and that was just i, I remember seeing them and, and just feeling somehow that that kind of meant that we're we're there we're gonna make it right. we're, we're almost at the finish line just seeing that welcome party come out was was wonderful so thanks for coming out <laughs> yeah yeah, that's a, yeah, there are some magical times in the water. So did you experience the same kind of, was it cloudy that night so that you had like no, or did you get to see like stars and stuff or? You, so. could, you could see the stars, I think. I, I, I don't think yeah, it was, the moon it was clear. Though. Okay, it, it was, was clear. It was just clear. I think it was almost like a full moon. Was it? <laughs> I remember it being really dark. <laughs> well, when you, like you said, when you get that light, you know, when you're going towards Magog and then the turning away, I can only imagine how black that must have been. I, I, I would say that once, once we got past new, or midnight or so, in the middle of the night, it actually cleared and it was like a, a very large moon and there was some moonlight on the water. And, and I distinctly remember, I don't know if anybody else saw it, but there was this, this incredible shooting star right directly in front of us as we were heading back to Vermont that just came across the sky. You know, I was looking right at it and, uh, you know, it was clear enough to see it. It was, it was, that was really exceptional to see that. I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, the swimmers, we miss out on everything. What was it? Was, what was the hardest part of the, was it, yeah, the night day? What was the hardest part for you, Stephen? Like getting through? Um, 
you know, I was lucky. I, my body didn't fail me for most of the time. Um, I got cold about 14 hours in. Um, I wouldn't, it wasn't like an, a problematic cold. It was more of an annoyed cold. Um, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of us that have swam really long and, and cooler swims have, have felt this kind of cold where it's like, yeah, I can deal with this, but I don't like it. Right. And at this um, point you had just turned, you're only two hours in on the return, right? And you're uh, cold. <laughs> you know, some of the best parts uh, were like, I, I really liked swimming in the dark. I, I hadn't done a lot of experience, but it didn't bother me at all. Uh, the sunrise was pretty, was pretty great, but probably the most, cha- one of the most challenging points was um, right around the, the U S Canada border. Um, we'd been, uh, it'd been a long time by then. And it's about, I think what, five miles left when we get to, we get to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, so we've been swimming 45 miles and first I wouldn't quite call it a hallucination, but I could swear I saw this customs boat that was like just floating alongside the, the, the main pontoon boat. And I'm like, oh, they're going to, they're going to pull them over. What's going on? I don't know. 30 minutes of that. Finally, I realized it's the motor on the boat <laughs> that I'd, I'd, I'd hallucinated into a second boat. Um, anyway, but, uh, Jamie Ann was playing, I think born in the USA when I crossed into, into the U S but so the shore does some funny stuff around there. There's an Island, um, also that, that we've swam around for some other stuff. And this, so before we crossed in the United States, I start seeing the land and I'm thinking, Oh, that's the Island. And I, I yell, it's like, that's the Island. Right. And, and somebody on the boat, I forget who was like, no, no, it's not. It's a, it's the one up ahead. And I'm just like, Oh, so, so instead of, you know, five miles to go, it's seven miles to go. And it's like, that's, that's tough at, at 43 miles when you think it's 45. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, that was probably one of the, the tougher parts, but then the Rivards came and, uh, you know, had a little party on the lake and um, kept going. They were kayaking with you or swimming? Oh uh, no, they, they all, uh, all three of them, uh, Margaret Bear and, and Darcy, they were on their little red kayaks and they came out and, uh, just paddled with a paddled with the group for 15 minutes. And then they, they headed back into, to meet us at the finish. Yeah, there actually wasn't any, um, paired swimming on this. Um, oh, really? so yeah, Stephen was solo the entire time. The only person who ended up getting in the water at all was me, but that's, uh, <laughs> Oh really? Do tell <laughs> We had we had two sort of emergencies. One was so uh, one of the things you know, as, as many of you know, who've been on these swims before, um, some you know, even a pontoon boat, which is incredibly slow, still doesn't have necessarily an idle speed that's that that works really well. And so you're kind of constantly kind of throttle stop, throttle stop. Um, so Phil had gotten us these pon- uh, these parachutes to sort of throw off the back and, and help create drag, which is fantastic until you sort of stop at some point and you don't realize that one of them gets completely bound up in the motor. <laughs> so we were actually just, you know, d- doing our thing, doing our thing. And all of a sudden the boat just stops, the motor stops. And it's just panic, of course, because we're very close to the shore and we're kind of now drifting into a cliffside. And it's like, oh, this is, this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is about to end really fast. So, um, I, I went to the back trying to figure out what was going on and I could see what had happened. Like, oh, all right. So we like cut all the power. I immediately got out of everything I was wearing and jumped in the water and untangled it, put it back together. And probably within 
90 seconds. We were, we were oh on our gosh. way. Oh my gosh. Wow, just that's this, fast. Yeah, it was just this sort of immediate, like, need to react gut sense of, like, like there is no time. But again, another great opportunity. Rob, completely, we, we called ahead. We said, something's wrong with the boat. You need to take over, you know, main role. He is pretty far ahead, so he circled back immediately. And um, it was almost like nothing had happened. I didn't um, know about it. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's and another, the other moment was actually as the sun was rising, almost at that same spot. I think that spot is sort of cursed for us. <laughs> um, Rob had a little dozing moment. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so again, I mean, every, we really were down at least one crew member without Phil. So you know, everybody was you know, I I piloted essentially for twenty five hours. So so did Rob, and uh, I think Rob took a little nap. And so at some point, I'm watching their boat, and it's just it's turning and it's turning and it's just, it's going straight to shore. And I said, this doesn't really make sense. What are we doing? And so we called ahead a couple of times and then it immediately like corrected itself. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're fine. We're fine. And later he sort of confessed that he had, he had taken just a little bit of a Understandably. Yeah. Like probably just sitting there trying to drive after, you know, at that point, 18 hours. And I don't know how long he had been up. So um, yeah, another reason for, Heavy communication and uh, and um, two boats. <laughs> two boats or four four pilots. <laughs> Do you think you yeah, were you kind of? Was, I think yeah, it was just um, you know Stephen was out there on his own the whole time. Swimming wise, yeah. What about though for you? Would you have preferred to have a relief from piloting, Christopher? I don't know. I mean, it's. I think. I mean, I always knew that. I mean. Um, Jamie Ann or Mary could have taken over had we had we needed to do that. In fact, I mean, none of us slept like none of us took took breaks. Um, and it was just this sort of energy. I mean, we definitely had tired moments, but I think, you know, there was just the energy and the sort of static of, of the event, I think, as crew. And this has happened on other things I've crewed at this distance. It's just you don't want to go down for any time. <laughs> you're like, you, you just, you're so into it with the swimmer and you're always, you're also impressed with what they're doing. You're like, well, you know. He's not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to sleep. Like I've got this luxurious platform, you know, why would I do that? So yeah, I think it, it's always a good, I think, I think the backup kayakers and having it had an additional kayaker because they were doing the real strenuous work. I think that would yeah. have been where we would have added a third person or another person to the crew. But uh, but Jimmy to, or Steve have done it with the six that we had was was I, I think it was perfect because mm. of the experience level. Mm. Everybody knew how to react, how to respond, and how to kind of hand off. Um, and also to be honest, I think about about where you were at. Like I'm super excited, you know, or super tired. I just need 15 minutes to just clear my head. Um, so I think there were people were just very um, very good about the communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important. Very. To say the least. <laughs> Steve and Jimmy, were you guys able to take little cat naps when you traded off at all? Or did you stay up the whole time too? I definitely... Let's see. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Jimmy. Go ahead, Jimmy. Uh, okay. So I, I definitely did take a, a few cat naps. Um, it, it, it is really strenuous um, kayaking. At the same time, it's not... I'm not the swimmer, so it's really impressive that Steve was able to do the 25 hours, but, um, but being alert for, uh, three hours on kayaking, um, is, is pretty difficult. So, um, I, I did, I did take a few naps here and there. It's a good choice. <laughs> yeah. And, and probably around the same time that Rob was 
also taking it down. On the running part yeah, too. I, we were on the same boat. I think at, at one, most of the time it was just me and Rob, but I think Steve, um, you came on the boat for a little bit, right? That one time when the wind was really high at the beginning, but otherwise it was just one of us was on the boat, one was kayaking. I, I, I wasn't on the boat when, uh, when, the, when Rob had his incident, but uh, the, I know that, I mean, I don't think I went to sleep. I, di I didn't intend to. It's not, it's not impossible that I did, but uh, I kept awake. I was, you know, it's like Jimmy said, it was, uh, I had worn neoprene thinking that would keep me warm. Well, it, it might keep me warm if I was kayaking, but wet neoprene in the middle of the night, it, it was making me cold. That so wasn't a very good choice. Uh, I should have had very good waterproof stuff on. It would have been a much smarter way in a, to not be so cold. Yeah, that's a good one. Just the, and if you're getting in and then out, like you need like a switch in gear. <laughs> All right. Um, I haven't heard about any of the parties on the boat. Was there dance parties happening? While <laughs> no, none of this. <laughs> Mary shaking her head. <laughs> How did you guys stay awake? Getting a little rowdy towards the end. I think once we hit the Canadian border, I think it wasn't rowdy. It was just punchy. You know, you just yeah, yeah. You become in, like intoxicated on the sleep deprivation. Um, and all the sugar. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I have just such the, I think the best memories I have are, are actually from that last five miles. Cause it was just, you're just drunk, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just fun. And you, and it's also that excitement building of like, Oh my God, he's really going to finish this. Like, this is really happening. Not that any of us really had any doubts, but you know, you never know what the conditions are going to be and what the world's going to throw at you. So when you really see that like end nearing, it's just, it's electric. And it's one of the best parts about being crew and why we always recommend people be crew um, is just to feel that excitement with this swimmer. Um, and, and, and they like together, you're accomplishing this thing. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, it's super fun. Yeah. We were playing a lot of music. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, I have to say that, I got to say that uh, from a kayaker's point of view, it looked like they were having way too much fun. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was like a real drag out in the in the in the kayak, just slugging away, and they're over there partying. It looked like you know. So I, I know they didn't have anything to drink, but it sure looked like they had something to drink. <laughs> to be fair, we got a little nuts around four a.m. Like that's the real witching hour before the sun comes up. Everybody was like, I think everyone was committed to staying awake just for the energy factor of like when the swimmer stops. You know, it's it's important for them to be able to see you like that's all they're looking at for 25 hours is what's going on on the boat. Mm -hmm. So like the energy on the boat needs to be thought about. And so around four or 5 AM, I think we were really, everybody was getting really tired, but you know, waiting for the sun to come up, it's super cold. Um, around the Canadian border is what we would call the shack. And we continued to call the shack. Anyone that swam any of Phil's, um, I, I think the 10 mile, the Kingdom Swim and the Border Buster or anything like that, you go past this tiny little custom shack. And we were looking for that with like just desperation. And that's where Steven started hallucinating about where he was because we had actually seen the revert. I believe we saw the, res the reverts further back from that, right? It's all right around that same time, I think. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, once we kind of got back to the United States, it was like, you know, we knew it was tired, but, you know, we knew we were going to make it. Yeah. Yep. 
yeah, that that 4 a.m. hour, I think, is often a hard time. I, th I guess I've heard a lot of swimmers say like that for them, like that three, four o'clock, like middle of the night can be really, really hard when you start hallucinating and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, there, there had been a, I'd, I'd spent most of the summer kind of debating that, like, should I start at six in the morning? Should I start at nine at night? You know, was Phil going to give me an option to pick my time or was he yep. going to tell us to to go whatever he wanted to do it. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad we were able to start at 11. I, I, I feel like the, the morning light's a real morale boost. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I may be unusual among, among swimmers because I, I just count. Like I was counting my feeds, I was counting minutes. Um, you know, there's 1,440 minutes in a day and I'm like, okay, I've done three feeds. That's 90 minutes. I've done eight feeds. That's, uh, what? that's four hours, 240 minutes. And just, just kept going. It's like, okay, I, I hit 720 minutes. That means I, I got 720 to go to get to 24 hours because I figured by 24 hours, I'd at least be close. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I had like mentally joked in my head, like, oh, what if I finish at 23.57? Do I, do I go back out for five minutes or <laughs> swim? I mean, what do I do here? <laughs> right. To run through all those options. Uh, fortunately, the wind took care of that and, and put us well over 25. Um, but, uh, you know, th there were a couple other interesting things like uh, there's, there's a lot of weeds towards the finish um, and the pontoon boat couldn't really go there. And so dad was finishing up the, the crewing and the wind was uh, the wind was such that I was being like, I was like a half stroke away from the kayak. And I finally had to just be like, dad, you need to get on the other side of me. Cause I can't take these waves rolling me into you for this last half an hour. Yeah. And then we worked it out, you know, and then uh, you, you make that final turn. Uh, and then you, then you pass the beach and, and you still see the East side and you're just like, doesn't, doesn't ever seem that long in other <laughs> other times when you do it but right. at, at the end of a long swim like that it, it, it is um but it was you know it's just it was just i mean the end was just so much fun like there was a there was a point where i was where jamie ann had the camera and and i was just making stupid faces at her for like five minutes like get a good picture of me with this stupid face and no, I think I had you on Facebook Live so Sarah could see you, and you were being so weird. <laughs> uh, but no, it was, it was you know the sun was up. It was it was breezy but nice and beautiful, and uh, you know every stroke was getting us closer to shore. And then you know there's there's those. Yeah, like if you're swimming a swim with a bridge, and you can see the bridge for half of your swim and it's can kind of be demoralizing you know everything in vermont's not quite as big so you know when you start to actually see landmarks once you at least can figure out that you're looking at what you think you are you're like oh we're close oh we're really close mm -hmm. and um you know i remember at the end i'm you know the water the water's this deep and then it's this deep and then it's this deep and then it's this deep and finally i'm like i guess i should stand up <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's it's standing up at that point is not as easy as you, you might think um you don't want to fall you don't want to 
you know, my, my friend Mark Spratt, he, uh, he finished his Catalina and they, they steered him into rocks and he's got scars from that still just climbing over these jagged rocks. It was more river pebbles I was climbing over. So it wasn't quite as brutal, but it's just like, you know, in my moment of triumph, the last thing I want to do is face plant in the, <laughs> in the shallows. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Climb out and we're, uh, we're yelling to Wolfgang, Jimmy's son, who's what was about nine or 10 then. And it was just like, don't touch him. <laughs> don't touch him. So it's like I climb out of water and I raise my hands for the last time for the day. And, uh, you know, I stopped the watch and that was okay. the swim. That was, that was the swim. <laughs> Did you, um, for me, whenever I finish, not I've never swam as long as you have, but I always have that. Like my body, it takes me a while to write myself. Like I pretty much have to go back to horizontal. Like I can't stand too long. Do you have any like nausea or I don't know your body just like not quite working like it's supposed to after finishing it, something like that. It definitely wasn't working right. Um, <laughs> you know, I was lucky. I had I had zero nausea. I had I had. I mean, I, I had the easiest swim you could you could have from a physical perspective. I mean, I had some short shoulders, but there's no surprise there. But, you know, no nausea, no anything. But, but I, you know, I got out and it's like, you, you know, the blood pressure kind of goes a little bonkers. And then I just kind of slumped down and kind of kneeled. And there's some pretty good pictures of me. Just I think Margaret's sitting next to me with a holding a bag of, of Ruffles potato chips open. And I'm just like. <laughs> shoving those Wolfgang it was really pumped because he'd gotten a bag of candy and he brings it over and I'm just shoving those <laughs> in my mouth um we did that for a few minutes um and then you know I hadn't even really kind of had the after drop yet um eventually the chaos at the end Rob's like we have to go to the customs place and get you checked in so my dad and Rob and I all get in the car I don't even know whose car it was and we drive across Newport, get to this customs. There's nobody there. It's like an iPad. So we're like pounding on the iPad, trying to get it to work. And I'm just, I'm just again cold now. And, and, you know, finally Pam found us and, and she, she checked my vitals and, and cleared me. And then eventually somehow Phil magically from the internet checked me back into, into America. <laughs> um, and dad and Jimmy still aren't. Uh, so they're, they're fugitives. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, uh, that, that, that was probably, well, probably one of the more disappointing things about the whole swim was, you know, the, like there's this chaos of like, oh, we have to get Steve checked back into the country and do this. And it's like, instead of getting to hang out with everybody at the shore for a little bit more time, it kind, yeah. of, it kind of whisked me away. And I, I, I really wish that I'd had a little more opportunity to, to, you know, kind of just have time to spend with everybody at the end. Cause they were just they're all so excited. It was such, such fun. And, and, uh, you know, but then, then later I got back and I'm taking a nap and, and just like, just the blood was like pulling in my arms or something. And then just like my whole arms are falling asleep, even though they weren't doing anything. And then just kind of like sitting on my chest, like, like a vampire. And, uh, it was a rough couple hours after you kind of, you know, your body's just kind of getting back to normal. Yeah. Yep. Was there anything that you forgot to bring on the boat? Anybody? <laughs> Jackets, I think, for that. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I felt okay on temperature, but uh, uh, yeah, I think we were smart to bring cleaning supplies because 
25 hours on that. And the pontoon boat did not arrive to us in a very clean state. So cleaning supplies was a great clutch move that someone remembered to bring. But no one forgot anything other than jackets <laughs> being a little cold. You, also, like, you really trashed that boat. Like, I mean, <laughs> well, because you're just every 30 minutes is like, okay, it's go time, you know, more feeds. And, then, and you're just like, where's that thing? And you have all these bags because you have your own equipment and the swimmer's equipment. And so by the end, it's always funny to me to see what boats look like at the end of a swim. I mean, it's like a tornado hit. Um, and I think it's just kind of a necessity. Like, there's just no way to do it cleanly. Like, because there's always unexpected things. So you're just pulling things apart and scattering towels and food bags and everything. And so it's just like, you try to look at the wreckage of it. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Are we, are we really this sloppy? It's like, no, <laughs> it's like, it's a war out there. Like, you've got all this action. Um, you're Plus just, a big chunk of it's at night in the dark. So <laughs> it actually married JB and at least on our boat, like you guys really started to pick it all up at the end. Cause I think you sort of realized like, okay, now we're at a point where we're having trouble finding things that are really important. Like, <laughs> cause it's buried underneath like all this other stuff we threw over here. So it just, it got, it wasn't as bad as I'm making it out to be, but it's still like, you do end up in this moment where you're just grabbing at things. Um, cause you need to in the moment. Yeah. And yeah. I heard, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we've all done this before, you know, in some capacity of, of these distance swimming. So we, we were pretty good at just knowing what we kind of needed. I mean, like we kind of got lucky we had the propane heater. I'm, sounds like that I, that I learned after the fact, like, oh, well, <laughs> there was a, uh, I burned my tongue at one point. On oh, no. <laughs> I, almost, I almost said something about that earlier. It got to the point where I had to like taste test every single time <laughs> because Steve would be like, Jesus Christ, Jamie Ann, are you trying to kill me? And like the water was not that hot. I just think Steven's sensitivity got worse as the day went on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you like the, the wrist thing? Like they like with the baby put the bottle. <laughs> I should have done that. Yeah, I mean uh, my my tongue was uh you know, my, my body had cooled off quite a bit over the, the night. Like I, like I said earlier, I got, I was cold after, I wasn't cold until the return. So, I mean, it was the middle of the night, um, probably 14 hours, 15 hours in was when I finally started to not be warm anymore. Um, you know, again, it was never like a worried cold. It was just more like, okay, this is, this is how it's going to be till we get to the shore. And, and, and yeah, the, the morning sun, certainly not the, the late August Vermont sun. It does not, it's not that warm. Not that warm. <laughs> yeah, the light helps though. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say that over that over the last several years that Steve and I have done this, I, I put together a, a checklist, and every time we do one of these, more stuff goes on. It like the propane heater, I guess now. So <laughs> it it was important to have it written down and go go through it and make sure that you're not forgetting something that's that's important on a, on something like this. Yep. Did I hear you and Jimmy both say you needed probably a little bit warmer, more waterproof stuff as far as forgetting yeah, different, things? Yeah. It's a different kind of uh, clothing so that we wouldn't have been wet, which made us really cold. Yeah. And, and heartier food, at least for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, not to be underestimated is how much like you, you guys are working hard the whole time. So having enough food for yourselves, for sure. And you definitely can't just bring snacks for, for 25 hours or so. I mean, you really need some, 
substantive food um, to eat. Yeah, that's a good one too. What about, was there any point where you guys had to improvise? Like really improvise? <laughs> I think, I mean, I think other than just those two uh, sort of surprise moments, um, <laughs> you know, on jumping in the water and fixing the boats and uh, just making yeah. sure we were on yeah. track. I think there was, um, no, I mean, to kind I mean, of in that improvisation of just, you know, and also even, yeah, when, when we, when, when Steve, Big Steve was sort of, you know, facing that wind you know, a couple of times. I mean, I think those are just the moments you're, you, yeah, you're improvising, but you're so prepared for it that it just, it's natural. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, we know what we were going to do in this situation. We're, we're enacting plan B <laughs> and, uh, and you just go for it. So, yeah, there was nothing that really um, fell so far apart that we were like, okay, we're in new territory. Um, you know, just, I just, again, feel really blessed that we had such good experience on the team, but also, um, you know, the, the, Part of that experience is all the experience of the people who'd done this before with all of the single crossings and just Phil and the, you know, the, what he's set up there. I mean, the radios were charged, you know, all sorts of stuff that just sort of was, was already in place um, that, you know, we could never take for granted, um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that just made it, made it that much more of a, I mean, it's what you pay for. <laughs> right. <laughs> so totally. that. Um, but yeah, if we were to have kind of done this cobbled together from scratch without the help of, of kingdom and, and then Phil, that would have been a, a very different story. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I think that uh, if I remember, we we didn't really plan to do the kayaking the way we ended up doing it. But when Phil didn't show, and it became clear immediately that that both kayaks just needed to work off of Rob's boat, because uh, all my stuff was on Chris's boat, you know, because <laughs> we had a different plan at the beginning. And so at some point in the, in the, we had to transfer stuff because we decided the best way to do it was to just keep doing the kayaks from the one boat and just leave Chris and, and everybody else alone to do their thing. Yeah, that was a, that was a heavy improvisation. And like, like we said, we made that decision hours before we left. Um, you know, it really was, okay, are we going, are we not going? You know, because Phil really just could not make it that day and, and had hoped to, but uh, yeah, it was just you know, sudden, sudden complications, so. Uh, yeah, we had six, I had six crew people, active crew people for me on two boats for 25 hours. And, and I bet if you'd been an extra person on each boat, that probably still would have still wouldn't have been enough, you know, like <laughs> more hands is, is always better. And, and, you know, it can be hard to, for so many different reasons why you can't have that kind of crew on every swim. And that's that makes, you know, you gotta, you know, you just, it's not really improvisation. It's just, you know, executing on the plan and, and um, making it work regardless, I guess. But yeah, I mean, these guys are all experienced. I mean, Mary's done countless marathon swims. Jamie Ann's done a bunch. Um, Christopher as well. Um, you know, Jimmy's, Jimmy's been kayaking my, for me up in Vermont since 2016. And my dad's been with me since 2014 kayaking, you know, th these guys all for, I'll, I'll know what, what they're dealing with, with me. And that's, you know, that, that, that helped. They all, they all knew what they were doing. And so, you know, I, I, like, I had the opportunity to crew for Jamie Ann at SCAR the year prior. And, you know, it was, it was such a good learning experience. That was my first uh, chance to crew for somebody. And it was just such a good learning experience to kind of like see it from the other side, but also like, it made me realize like, Oh, I know, 
I know what the crew person, as a crew person, I know what the swimmer wants because I've been there. And, um, you know, I, I think with all these people, you know, you know, Jimmy's, Jimmy's been my kayaker, but you know, he's, he's, uh, he's been taking advantage of the opportunities at the kingdom to, to swim there too. So he's becoming his own, own long distance swimmer in his own right. He refuses to admit it. So. <laughs> I'm just going to get my dad to, to start swimming and then the whole group can, can do some. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We'll recruit them one by one. <laughs> what about any big learnings that you take forward? Did you learn anything new? Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the biggest thing I learned was, you know, better crew instructions. And, and it's, it's still something that I struggle with today. It's, it's just, you know, they don't want, when I'm swimming, they don't want me to have to make any decisions. It should all just happen for me. But, you know, I have to also, sometimes I forget that I need to give them the details so they can make those decisions for me. And, and sometimes they're having to guess. And that's tough on them because, you know, they you know, they only are there to help me and, and look out for my best interest. And, and sometimes there can be a conflict there. And, you know, in the case of me, again, I, I don't think I'm particularly fussy, but, you know, there's just little things like I, um, you know, like I, I wish I had said, oh, yeah, bring me, give me the pear juice at the feed. You know, it's like in my head, that's what I wanted. But, um, you know, and, and I try to work I try to work with like a 30 minute forward thing. Like, so when my feet hits and you kind of get in the flow state of swimming and, and, the, and the, the 30 minutes just kind of drop off like minutes at, at that point, I'll be like, next feed, I want chicken broth and potato chips and a cookie instead of whatever I'd had before. And, and I, I, I try to, I try to let them know that in advance, but um, you know, sometimes they're like, well, we can get it to you now. Uh, you other thing I did that it was a mistake was I didn't take my ibuprofen until I don't know, sometime after the turn, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, you want some ibuprofen? I'm like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> I was pretty sore. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so uh, the next big swim I did, I took it after like six hours because I'm learning. I, I try to learn from these. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I bet we all learn. What about you, Mary? Did you learn anything? Um, I think everyone knows you pretty much have to expect the unexpected. Like none of us saw the cruise ship coming. You know, Phil's pretty, Phil's communication is pretty much, oh, there's no boats out there. Right, yeah. And, and Except when there fair, is. Right? Not taking people there at midnight, but um, yeah, I mean, you have to just expect that when you're crewing, things are gonna go wrong, like the sea anchor getting caught in the engine. And, you know, you have to just react like immediately. Like I remember as soon as the engine cut out, I was just grabbing bags on the boat, just being prepared to like jump on the other boat if that's what we had to do. Because I mean, to be fair, Chris did a remarkable job getting the boat up and running in like a minute or two, but we had no idea that was gonna happen. You know, we didn't know what was wrong with the boat. We didn't know if we were gonna be down to one boat and we were all jumping on another boat. Um, so you just have to be able to react and not freeze and just remember what's the focus. You know, when something goes wrong, what needs to happen and what can be pushed off until later. But I think, you know, the communication with the swimmer is obviously critical because I, I, I know for me at the turn, like I just expected him. I thought I was finally getting a five minute break. <laughs> I thought, oh, he's going to be on the shore. I could do this. I could do that. And then, <laughs> like 90 seconds, I hear 
I hear, I hear Peter on my like radio, like he's in the water. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's in the water. And I was just like, oh, okay, I guess we're not taking a break. But I mean, to be fair, it was very cold. I understand why he got back in the water as quick as he did. But, you know, I was just, I was under the assumption that he was going to take a break and he was going to have a brownie and we were going to have five minutes off. And there's, there, you know, people think that, oh, well, you know, you're only working for like a couple minutes every 30 minutes, but it's really not the case. You're pretty much doing something on the boat the entire time. You know, and I mean, we had sufficient crew. It wasn't a, it wasn't a lack of, um, you know, all hands on deck because, you know, we, we definitely had enough people, but you're still pretty much busy the entire time you're on the boat. And, you know, you have to remember your, you know, your energy surrounding the swimmer too. It's like when the, like when the boat cut out, like don't panic on the boat. <laughs> so that he's swimming going like, what's going on up there? You know, it's, you don't really want the swimmer to either, if stuff happens, you don't even want them to know about it. And you definitely don't want them to be, you know, be upset or panicked about it if you can avoid it. And I feel like everyone did a really good job around that. Yeah, that's great. What about you, Jamie, and anything that you learned or that you want to share? We're, we're, we're rounding out our time just in case you're curious. As, so, <laughs> um, I will say that as a female peeing off the back of a pontoon boat <laughs> when it's 40 degrees outside um, and you're inevitably going to get wet, you got to kind of plan around that. Luckily, Chris was great to work with me and Mary on that. Um, and I don't think Rob or, or the kayakers saw anything, but that's something to think about. Um, luckily, me and Mary had packed like towels and basically overnight clothes. Um, I felt like we stayed pretty warm. I think we even packed like hot hands and stuff like that. I do remember getting cold at one point, but it kept me awake. Um, <laughs> so I would say that was the biggest struggle for me and staying awake, but we got past that. Um, I feel like everybody's attitude stayed, um, really well. Um, I had done one other 50 mile swim attempt at Lake Powell. So I had the experience of the long night, the crew communication, <laughs> Um, Steven's a good communicator. He plans well. Um, I would say he's a little OCD, which I appreciate. And, um, so Steven was great. I had no problem crewing for him. Awesome. About you, Christopher, anything you learned or last things you want to share? Yeah, honestly, just repeating everything that you said, um, you know, all of that from, from Mary and Jamie. And I mean, I can't, it's, it's hard to add anything to that. <laughs> um, you know, other than, yeah, just the, uh, you know, just being so well, well prepared with all the details. Um, you know, I think it's, to only have a, a list of one or two things you do differently is pretty remarkable when you, when you end something like this. Um, yeah, for sure. you know, I had done, uh, another, another 25 hour crew earlier than the year. And I think, you know, took some of that learning actually into this just from, and, and that boat energy actually was a big, was a big part of that. Um, because we, we had definitely gotten, <laughs> gotten sort of slow and sluggish and, you know, part of, part of your role is to keep, keep that energy high, um, not annoyingly high, obviously, but to, to a level that the swimmer isn't picking up on it because they do. Um, and we do as, as athletes, it's like, it's hard when you're tired and others are clearly with you on that, on that journey. So being able to keep that, keep that elevated is really important. What are your tips for how to pump it up <laughs> when it starts to go down? <laughs> Sugar. <laughs> music um but also i mean I think letting people take breaks you know i think it's it's you know having fresh people and fresh 
you know, if you have that luxury, uh, then, then yeah, definitely rest. But also, um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's just that preparation and going in and talking to the crew early on. And we didn't really have a discussion about it, but I think we just, it just happened, um, which was nice. Um, again, from the experience of having been, been in that situation before, both in the water and out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Jimmy? Anything that you learned or want to share about your experience? I think just the extra kayaker. (laughs) (laughs) Really key. Um, But, but other than that, I I think it, it all went pretty well um, considering how big of a, uh, of an endeavor this whole thing was. That's it. Nothing (laughs) just went well, (laughs) no learnings or anything. (laughs) The extra kayaker. We got that. (laughs) What about you, Steve? He, uh, you know, from the beginning, I kind of assumed that I would just sight off of the ki- off of the pontoon, right? I was just gonna, I didn't have to sight like I would in in another race, but at the end, uh, all of a sudden, Chris had to go right. He had to go west, I think it is, because it's too shallow, and I didn't know where I was anymore. And I, and I, I really was, and of course, it's, it's 24 hours into it or something, so I'm really confused too, and. And uh, so I should have known better. I should have had a better idea of of the map, right, uh, where I was, because I was totally confused. And I kept thinking, I thought I was getting blown way off course. I was getting you know, frustrated. So I, I should have been paying more attention to a map. And then the, the last thing I wanted to make sure I put in was that maybe it's something that Steve didn't learn, but that I, I wrote it down right after we got in, and, and it was, quote, unquote, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done, <laughs> quote, unquote, from Steve. <laughs> that's a that's a great segue so Stephen, have you have you hit your limit <laughs> and what did you learn <laughs> i've learned nothing um despite what my father just said um no i i did a i did a, a 55k last summer and um in, in a lot of ways i was probably more miserable at that than i was at memphrey um i ended up with uh reflux and uh the hiccups for two hours um and then i i literally was like had a, had a, had hiccups for coming in bouts for days afterwards and, and and sore diaphragm it was miserable um you know so no i keep doing it um and yeah i'll probably continue to do something stupid in in the future uh what i haven't decided but uh stupid definitely <laughs> uh stupid so i'm still trying to this is part of my mission with marathon swim stories is i don't we all we we uh are self-deprecating but i don't think it's stupid there's some there's something more there there's something more there there i'm gonna find it there there is but at the same time you know like you know the, the kind of swims that 25 hours is a long time, but like the kind of swims that like Sarah Thomas had done or, or Caroline who's was on here have done that are even like ridiculously longer than that. Um, I don't know if that's for me. <laughs> that's good um, to know what's for you. <laughs> there, there's like, I, I feel like I have a limit. Like I, I don't feel the need to be like, I don't need to have the longest swim ever. Uh, you know, this, this is good for where I am. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm still jumping in ice water you know, for winter swimming right now. And, and, you know, like, 
I'm a professional at it, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's not a little crazy. And, it, can be, but, it can be crazy. It's okay to be crazy. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm sure of that. <laughs> I picked a bunch of crazy people to, to, to work with me because uh, that's what you need. You need people that understand. Yep. Or at least if they don't understand, at least they'll support you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, oh, and man. A, a special thanks to my mother for uh, not letting me do it because, you know, I'm an adult, but, you know, accepting that I do this because I know I drive her crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, my goodness. Thank you all so much for being here today. This was really fun for me to hear the story. I still feel like there's some still secret something or another that you're not sharing, but we only have an hour and a half. So if it comes to you, <laughs> you want to add it, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> you know, there, there is no secret. It's just, you know, you got to put in, you got to put in the time to train. You got to put in the time to, to swim and, and, you know, don't, don't make your first swim be a 50 miler. It's not going to go well for you. I don't That's care. You <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think the fact that it went as well as it did was really a testament to, you know, my, my crew and their training and their experience, you know, they made it happen. You know, my job was to swim. Their job was to take care of me and they did an amazing job and I couldn't, I couldn't have done it without them. Absolutely. It's a team sport. <laughs> They made, they made my job easy. So I yeah. <laughs> awesome. You guys, well, I'll let you all get back to your Sunday. Thank you so much. It was Thank awesome you. to hear your, hear all about the, the double memory in, in 2019. <laughs> all right, you guys, we'll see you later. <laughs> I'll you. share details Thanks. once things are up. Thanks y'all. Bye. 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 I hope you enjoyed today's interview. More than just a podcast, did you know that you can watch Marathon Swim Stories on YouTube? Or join us. We meet on Tuesdays at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 13.30 GMT. Check out intrepidwater.com forward slash Marathon Swim Stories to see who's up next. Thank you for listening.